Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. If you don't know who I am, if I'm new to you, my name is Pastor Ralph Deal. I'm the senior pastor here. Senior as in the oldest. (laughs) Not the guy that does the most work, because I really appreciate the team we've got. Pastor Adam uh, and the other pastors on staff have done a phenomenal job. Uh, Sometimes I wonder why I'm even here. Uh, So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 19 today. If you brought your Bible, turn there with me, Matthew 19, so we can kind of work through it together. We're in this series called Follow Me, uh, where we're looking at some of the places in the Bible where it talks about following Jesus. Uh, When I was was a young person, I was involved in a denominational church. I went when I felt like it, which wasn't very often. As I got into my teen years, I began to have more and more curiosity. I wanted to know more. I, I got my old King James Version Bible out that my mom gave me when I was, I don't know, about 12, and I began reading it, and it really confused me because I, I didn't understand what it was saying, partly because it's old King James and partly because I wasn't spiritually born again. I had a hunger. I was reaching out. I was trying to learn But I didn't understand the basics. If you don't have a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, you can read the Bible all you want. It won't make sense to you. Some of it's going to look like old fairy tales that you can't figure out, and others are just going to be confusion. Um, But then I met the Lord, and the Bible began to open up to me. I began reading between the lines and seeing things I didn't see before. One of the things I learned that one of the primary messages that Jesus taught on had to do with life. He used that term in parables. He used that term in teaching, this life principle. And we all understand that life is, you know, it's when something is growing. Your, your grass is really alive right now. You're growing like crazy. How can you keep up with the mowing it? Your, uh, your body's alive because your heart's beating never takes a break. If it takes a break, you're in deep trouble. Your heart has got to be working. You're alive. But I don't consider it life when a person is so discouraged and depressed they don't want to keep living. That's not life. Jesus talks about life. He uses an interesting adjective, abundant life, that more abundantly. So we want to talk about that abundant life The Old Testament says there is a way which seems right unto a man. The end thereof leads to death. That's not life. It's a way that seems right. It makes sense. But it blows up in my face. That's not the kind of life Jesus wants us to have. So I want us to read this story about life in Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16. Just then... A man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
All these I have kept, the young man answered. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I'm not going to talk today about great wealth and all the stuff you've accumulated because most of us, we, we live like multi-billionaires to the rest of the world. Yes, that's right. had, a, had a man in the Dominican Republic once say, you Americans even build houses for your cars. <laughs> Don't we? <laughs> we have so much and we think it's normal. But can it be a stumbling block that stands between us and what this life God wants to give us? So I want us to unpack this story a little bit, and I want to share some things we see from this story that are roadblocks to our experiencing this abundant life that this young man was looking for, and he couldn't find it. Notice again in verse 16, it says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This is self-righteousness. If you'd like to take notes, write this one down. Self-righteousness. It's the first roadblock to you experiencing eternal life. Self-righteousness is when you do a good thing to get right with God, to get this life. And Jesus says, what are you talking about a good thing? There's only one good thing. There's only one person who is good. He's talking about himself. Jesus is the only good thing. You can't do good things to get eternal life. All you can do is get to know Jesus Christ. He's the good thing. Self-righteous people are always looking at something they can do. Some action step. Something I can prove myself with. The proof we need to have is that the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We're all headed for death, not life. So we need a redeemer. We need a savior. Not someone who can erase away what I did because what I did is done deal. I done did it. The wages of sin that I already did is death. We human beings have within us this thing that tells us we got to do something. We have to somehow earn it. We have to somehow measure up to some accomplishment. Something we do, that makes us significant. No, it's who you are makes you significant. And you either have Jesus in you or you don't have Jesus in you. I need to have some kind of external thing I can do. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, But Christ has shown me. See, this is a learning experience. Paul is talking, and it's a learning experience. And we're all on this learning experience. Some of us further along than others, but we're all on the journey. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and count it all 
as garbage. Another version says manure. All I want is Christ. You see, if you want life, you need to pursue Jesus Christ. You don't need another hobby. You don't need another sport. You don't need a better team. You just need Jesus. That's how you find eternal life. We all want the munchkins around us to see what a wonderful wizard we are. You follow that parallel along? We're really hiding behind that curtain of self-righteousness. Don't I clean up good on a Sunday morning? But that's what you see on the outside. Jesus sees what's on the inside. What we really need is a toto to come along and pull that curtain out of the way and expose us for what we really are. Some of you need to see the Wizard of Oz. There's amazing <laughs> lessons in that story. Some of you are looking at me blankly like you don't know, what are munchkins? Get that curtain torn down, yep. and then you can be healed. And that's where life comes from when you find yourself healed. Let's look into the second thing I want us to see here. It's in verses, last part of verse 17, first part of verse 18. It says, if Jesus said, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones he required? Here's the second problem, loopholes. We all want to find a loophole. We're looking, which ones do I, do I have to follow and which ones are optional? Because we all like to pick and choose. But what we need to understand with God's commandments is you don't get to pick and choose. They all have equal value. We like to say, well, these sins are real heavy and these sins aren't quite so bad. You know, any disobedience is a sin and the wages of sin is death. He didn't say the bad sin. There's no measurement of sin. You either do this God's way or you do things your way. If you want life, you got to keep the commandments. So which ones? That's a valid question. Which commandments do I need to follow? And Jesus gave him some examples. He went back to the Mosaic Law. And he gave him some examples to show us that the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law, is a standard because God does not want us experiencing death. He wants us to experience life. And the only way to experience that life is to do things God's way, to pick up a whole new pattern, a whole new paradigm of how we live our life. Which ones? Jesus said, thou shalt not kill. How many think that's a good rule if you want to experience life? Thou shalt not kill. Why is that so important? Because if you do, the favor of God will die inside of you. You might get away with it. You might blame it on someone else or do it secretly and no one suspects you're the guilty party, but God knows you're the guilty party. And his favor will lift off your life. And then you're missing that life principle. Second one, he says, do not commit adultery. We understand what that is? Don't have sex outside of marriage. That's a standard value that God has put in us when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. From the very beginning, 
Marriage is a one-time, lifelong relationship between a man and woman. Sexual relationship outside of that marriage is adultery. Oh, you can do that in our society today. Everybody will smile at you. Everybody thinks that's just fine. That's the way every, that's what everybody's doing. I want to go along with the flow. But if you have a relationship outside of marriage, your marriage falls apart. You can't keep it together. The glue dissolves inside your own marriage. What's that? Fight for it. That's right. Fight for it. Here's the third thing he said. Do not steal. Now, that makes sense. If I worked for something, if I invested for something, and you take it away from me, and you didn't earn it, I earned it, and you take it, that's not fair. Because the favor of God will die in your own finances if you steal from somebody else. I'm old schooled enough to think that means if I steal from the government by cheating on my taxes, God will lift his favor of blessing off my own finances. Just do it the right way. God will make up the difference if you suffer a wrong. Here's number four. He says, do not give false testimony. That means lie. Don't tell an untruth. Why is it so important we got to tell an untruth to make ourselves look a little better? Just tell the truth. Let God worry about the fallout. Because if you do lie, you pervert justice and you lose God's favor in your life. You see, each of these explanations I gave you has to do with God's favor because that's where life comes from. It's God's favor in our life. God opening doors, God protecting us. God picking up the pieces when things fall apart in the world, that's God's favor. That's life. I want that life. I need that life. I have to fight for that life. So here are some things I have to do. Here are some commandments. I do need to discipline my life. God's way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. The real power comes from God and not from us. Did you get that? Different versions say that in different ways. It's, Christianity is like a clay vessel, a clay pot, and the Holy Spirit of God is placed inside that clay pot. And many of us in this room that have the Holy Spirit inside our clay pot really are crack pots. You know what I'm talking about? There's something broken with us. There's something broken with the clay pot. But this treasure, the Spirit of God, the life of God, the nature, essence of God lives inside of this clay pot. So we need to not be so quick to judge each other from the cracks in our pot. It's all about the Spirit on the inside. That's the potential. That's the life that's in there. So looking for loopholes is another thing that will hold you back from this life. Here's number three. Verse 20, the young man replied to Jesus, I've kept all these. What am I still missing? You get it? He knows there's something missing. He's doing everything he knows to do, but he knows there's still something missing. There's a hollow spot on the inside. There's something broken down inside of him. If you haven't realized that yet in your, about your own life, you're not getting much closer in your spiritual growth. 
You need to recognize you are a cracked pot. And God wants to heal the wound. He wants to make you into something significant. Emptiness on the inside will keep you from following Christ. This hollow spot. You see, the young man knows there's something missing. He knows he's been obeying, he's been following the law, but yet there's just an empty spot on the inside. This is what Bill Hybels called holy discontent. I know there's something missing. I think I go to a wonderful church. I go to a, a great church. I love the worship. I love the preaching. I love the fellowship. I love what the church is doing. I love my church, but I just think we could do a better job of what God called us to do in the 21st century. And I agree with that. God is that missing piece. God is what we're missing. God is what the young man is missing. He's missing something. He knows he's missing it. He doesn't feel complete. He watches these disciples walk around with smiles on their faces. They walk around with their shoulders lifted up and their heads high. They walk around with holy confidence. They walk around with people wanting to follow them because they see something in them they don't have. And this young man got all this wealth and he walks in with a sad face and he sees the joy in the disciples and he says, what am I missing? What am I missing? Jesus said, obey the commandments. But I've been obeying the commandments and I know I'm missing something. When you feel this emptiness on the inside, you're on the way. You're on the journey. Here's number four, the fourth lesson. When there's a contrast of focus, die vision. When you're, when you're trying to work both sides of the fence at the same time, you live in the world where it gets too hot in summer and too cold in the winter. Too many mosquitoes. And all kinds of other complaints we have. We live in this world. It's a real world we live in. You can't just check out of the world. You have to live in the world. But we also live in the kingdom of God. Resident upon this earth. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the precious promises of God that we can claim and walk in every day. We are... Two-dimensional. We walk in the world. We walk in the spirit. The world has a pull on us. The spirit has a pull on us. We're in this tug of war. We have a little angel on one side saying, you need to do this, and a little demon on the other shoulder telling us to do that. It's pulling us, tug of war, back and forth. Every one of us live in this world where there's a contrast. The Bible is full of a life, this life being full of contrasts. The Bible talks about it again and again. Light and darkness, that's a contrast. Good and evil, life and death, the old man and the new man. Jesus enters on a donkey and he comes back again the next time on a white horse. Contrasts, contrasts. We live in this world of contrasts and you and I get to make up our mind which one we're going to listen to. 
which one we're going to lean into. Now, I have to live in the real world because the electric company doesn't send electricity to my house for free. They want, they want American dollars to pay for that. So I live in the real world. I can't just ignore that. But I also live in a spiritual world where God controls the cattle on a thousand hills. Yes. And Lord, every now and then I need you to send a couple of my way. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, mature, go, sell your possessions, which means so much to you. Give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then, come and follow me. Yes. Did you notice Jesus just invited him to come and join the disciples? He, in, he invited this guy to come and join but there's a cost if you want to be a disciple and experience this deep, abundant life. There's a cost. And this rich young ruler has got all his focus on his stuff. Jesus is saying, you see Matthew over there, my disciple? He had to leave his toll collection booth. You see James, John, Peter, and Andrew, they had to leave their fishing business to follow me. And you come in and you want what they've got. Listen, if you want what they've got, you've got you to get rid of what you're trusting in. Yes, come on. Good word. Before we're too hard on this guy, how many of us, if, if I told you the way to get to heaven is to sell everything you've got and give it to the poor? Everything. Don't hold anything back for retirement. Trust God in retirement. Don't hold anything back. Just sell it all, give it to the poor, follow me. I wonder how many takers we'd have. Let's not be too hard on this guy. This is the big thing. Why is Jesus so hard on him? Because he's getting ready to found the church in this world. And he's going to check out. And he's going to leave them behind as leaders. How can they lead people out of a selfish world if they haven't conquered it themselves? So we have choices. Make up your mind. This way or that way? Am I going to lean into this or am I going to lean into that? That's what our Christian life is. It's a choice. Here's, here's number five, the fifth lesson. The fifth thing that will be a roadblock to hold us back is focusing on earthly possessions. As I said a moment ago, you have to, you have to live in this world. And this world requires you to pay bills. They don't give away groceries at Kroger for free. Well, maybe they do every now and then to get you in there. But you're going to pay for that. We live in this real world. Verse 22. It says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He didn't just go away sad. He came to Jesus sad. His problem was he was trusting in this great wealth. He had all this stuff. He had all this responsibility. He had to manage all this stuff he had. It was a headache. He's looking for some kind of peace like the disciples have. They didn't seem to have any problems. You see, Jesus put food on the table every day. He took care of them. And he had all this great wealth. He had to focus on the earthly stuff. 
I guarantee you, focusing on the earthly stuff will burn you out because there is no end. That, earth, that earthly stuff will drain you dry. Some of you are old enough to be able to say amen. Listen, we're talking about eternal life. You can't take anything with you. All that accumulation of wealth that you've saved up and stored up and packed away and kept safe and secure, somebody else is going to fight for it after you're dead. You can't take anything with you. We Christians have to focus on things of eternal value. What's the future? What's the future for us? We have to think about that. Blessings, your stuff, the, the, the ability to sit back in retirement and not have to worry, that stuff of this earth is something that follows us. It's not a goal to chase after. It follows us. God will take care of us. Amen. I'm not talking about being irresponsible and taking your whole paycheck and give it away and then to explain to your kids why you can't, you can't go out to McDonald's. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being wise managers, wise stewards of what God yeah. has given us. So chasing after the blessings are never the goal. They're a result that follows us. Yeah. And here's the sixth one, and I'll close with this. A lack of understanding the ways of God will be a roadblock. Now I'm going to jump ahead to the Gospel of John chapter 6 verse 66. It says, because of what Jesus said, many of his disciples turned their backs on him and stopped following him. One of the, that, that is the saddest scripture in the Bible. His disciples turned their backs on him and walked away. Why? Because they couldn't understand what he was saying. Jesus just intentionally taught them about communion. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part with me. They looked at each other and said, who can understand this? Who wants to follow this guy? He's a nut. They turned and walked away. They didn't understand what he was saying. You see, if you and I don't understand what the Lord is saying, we're going to walk away because there's a whole lot of things in this Bible I don't understand. There are things that make me mad about walking with God. Why, God, did you allow that to happen? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Nobody got blessed out of that. How in the world can that be your will, God? Makes me mad. But that's because I'm not God, and when I see God working, I don't understand. God has a different way of doing things. He doesn't do things my way. I need to do things His way. Amen. So the kingdom of God is a mystery. It's a big mystery. It'll always be a mystery. We must seek the ways of God. Yes. God, God doesn't do things my way. I have to discover his way because he always does things his way. God's just selfish. He does things his way and expects us to all get aboard and do things his way too so he can bless us. Come on. God sure is good. Amen. Worship team is going to come up now.
And I want to share one last story. Several years ago, my wife and I bought a tree. It was an ash tree. Long dead, of course, with an emerald bore. But we put the thing out in front of our house. And I had to dig a hole in this rock-hard clay. Took me hours to get down about a foot. And then I just poured water in it and let it sit overnight. Next day, I could get down deep enough. Set this root ball was so big that I had to make my own uh, lever, you know, to get the end of a tube before and pull it down and swing it over to drop it down in the hole because it was too heavy for me. We got this from the nursery, and the nursery told us we didn't have to take this, this wrap off the root ball. It was burlap. And the roots would just grow right through the burlap. Don't worry about it. But he says, the most common mistake people make when they plant their own tree is that burlap is a fasten, fastened to the trunk with a string, a cord. The most common mistake is people forget to cut the cord. As the tree grows, it just chokes it. Because the roots go right through the burlap, but, but that trunk can't grow. It chokes it, just strangles it. These principles that we're talking about are like prefixed, they're preconceived ideas of God. It's like a, a rope around a trunk. And when that trunk is growing and begins to stretch, it can't grow, and so it's just choked to death. Some of our preconceived ideas that we learned in Sunday school at a previous church somewhere along the way about doing good thing do a good thing and then you'll have life. It's the very thing choking us from having that life. We need to cut the cord, cut the string, allow it to grow. God wants to grow in you. No, you are not too old to grow. You may not be growing up anymore, but you can still. <laughs> I better quit. I'm, I'm quit. Let's stand together. Don't let that cord choke you. Let's grow in Christ.